Hello and welcome. My name is Tom. This is the Enthusiasm Project, season seven, episode four, and you're in for it. <laughs> uh, you're in for a treat. Uh, and if you don't like it, you know what you could do? You could write a real loud and angry comment and post that. Don't, though, because the internet is loud and angry enough already, and that is what we're going to be talking about today. So I guess we'll just dive into it. Actually, before we dive into it, there's uh, I do want to thank quite a number of people who have sent in SpeakPipe messages from uh, from my website's homepage. I normally would include those in this episode, but I honestly don't want to give everyone whiplash from the like tonal shift that would go from that to the main topic. So instead of including those today, I'm going to include those in next week's episode, which is going to be a Q&A episode. So if you'd also like to submit something to next week's Q&A episode, you can go to HiMyNameIsTom.com and right there on the front, there's a little link that says, you know, record message, submit message. You don't need any special equipment. You don't need to connect anything. You just push the button, record your message, send it, and it's done. And if you want to uh, send something else, a video or whatever, you can always send something to Tom at EnthusiasmProject.com. Or just keep an eye out on like Twitter and Instagram because I'll, I'll do a call for questions uh, a day or two before I record that episode. So that will be next week's episode. I'll include those existing messages there. This week, we're going to talk about the internet being a very loud and angry place because this is one of those things where I actually I took a, a little break off and didn't record an episode last week because I couldn't really figure out how to approach it. I was trying to come up with topics, but there was just sort of stuff that was on my mind that I couldn't get off of my mind. But I didn't feel like I had a good solution for it. I felt like if I had recorded an episode or talked about it, it would be more just venting and complaining. And I don't feel like that's necessarily beneficial or helpful. So... <laughs> What I wanted to do, like that's what for friends and family are for. That's that's what Heather's for. I can vent to her, and I did. And, you know, I can just explain why I'm feeling frustrated. I don't need to have a solution or a purpose or anything. For the podcast, I feel like it's important for there to be some sort of concrete takeaway. And I just needed time to process my thoughts about something before I could not just like explain, but also provide something that might be helpful to somebody else, either who finds himself feeling similarly or, you know, almost as a preventative measure, like learn from my experience. And a lot of it actually stems from, so the last podcast episode was all about the Rodecaster Pro 2. I talked about the device itself, which yes, I'm using that right now to record. I've got the SM7B running directly into it. I love it. It's great. It only gets better with every firmware update. I'm satisfied 100%. And uh, we're going to talk about why that makes me an awful person today, I guess. So, um, yeah, that was what last week's episode was about. And the last half of that episode, I talked about just sort of my experience. That was the first time I've really worked with a company to launch a product proactively. Now, I've definitely like had the experience of working with companies where they will send things that are not released yet. And, you know, they say like, oh, please don't don't post this. Or they'll tell me like, hey, this goes live on this date and time. And I'm like, that's cool. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to post anything on that day or time. And normally I just won't like it, you know, it's, if I choose to make a video about the thing, it'll be whenever I decide to do that. And a lot of times I will consciously avoid it. Even currently, actually, the most recent video I finished editing is for something that comes out. Actually, wait, when does this? Oh, wait, it comes out today, the day I'm recording this, <laughs> which is the 30th. So uh, it's for some iFootage 
lights. iFootage is a company that makes like sliders and friction arms and really cool camera gear and, and podcasting gear and stuff. And they're coming out with their first series of lights and they're like really great. And they sent me a message a while ago and said, hey, we're coming out with some lights. Do you want to test them? Do you want to check them out? And I was like, sure, absolutely. I didn't expect them to send over like so much lighting gear and so, like there was a whole freaking lighting setup and it was really cool. And so, you know, I the, the cool thing about it was I didn't want to make a commercial for those lights because I'm not even a lighting channel like light talk about lights, but I don't really fit in. And so I thought it would be cool because they sent essentially a small, medium, and large light. I could talk about different lighting power, like sizes. And that's a common question I get. Do I need a 60-watt light? Do I need a 600-watt light? And I can be like, hey, let's look at small, medium, and large lights. Which one do you realistically need for your setup? And that was a cool way to like, it was a cool video. I really liked the video a lot. And uh, they just kind of checked in very gently, knowing, you know, with the whole ethics statement and everything that just because they sent something doesn't mean there's going to be a video. Definitely doesn't mean it's going to go out on a certain time. But a couple of days prior to today's launch, the day I'm recording this, they, they were like, hey, just check it in. How are the lights? And I was like, yeah, I'm working on the video. It's great. It is. I know your launch is on Thursday and my normal upload day is Thursday. So that works out really well. But I don't really want to be a part of an embargo wave thing. So I'd actually like to do it the next Thursday. And they were totally cool with that. Again, huge benefit of that ethics statement is it weeds out people who wouldn't be great to work with. They're like, yeah, no problem. We have like plenty of people who are going to help out with the launch stuff. You can just put your video out whenever you want to, which of course, like I don't even have to make a video, but if the video exists. It's nice to communicate with the company. Like, yeah, I am going to be putting out a video on this date. Keep an eye out for it. And I bring that up because that is normally how I'll approach things is if I choose to make a video about it, it'll be whenever I want. The Roadcaster was different because that was, you know, there's a launch date, there's beta firmware, there's all this stuff. And then I was in that very unique position for a while of being the only person who had like a working one with beta firmware. So I was able to sort of take advantage of that and, you know, not only create stuff that answered questions people had that they couldn't get answered any other way, but also obviously that's good for me is, you know, if you kind of have an exclusive thing on something for a bit, not that I would want that forever because I'm obviously not in favor of, you know, gatekeeping or, you know, keeping people out of something. I guess that's what gatekeeping is. But, you know, I want other people to have access to stuff and to share their opinions on it and share their thoughts on it. But it was really cool for that chunk of time to have something that I could like go, wow, this is going to be really fun to, you know, create with on the channel and make stuff for. Now, <laughs> that's what we talked about in the last episode. What I didn't talk about was the extremely uh, negative impact that that whole experience had on me sort of mentally. And it was really bad. And it has been really bad. And it just sort of amplified things in a way that made a bunch of stuff worse. And I didn't know, I still don't necessarily have like the solution. Like I didn't solve, <laughs> I didn't solve mental problems in the past week. Sorry. But I think I have at least some guidelines and some strategies that are very helpful. And if anything, also proof of concept of existing stuff that I had. So that's kind of what I want to dive into today without it just being a vent fest. So I don't even know where to where to begin here. I guess we can talk about comments because we've talked about that before. And I, I'm almost tired of talking about comments because I don't, it's like, I know the most common answer is just don't look at them. Just do your thing. Like don't pay attention to what some random person is typing somewhere. And 
yes, I agree with the, you know, just focus on making something. Like the lighting video I just talked about, I was feeling really crappy and really frustrated, but it was like so much fun to just go out and I set up this whole lighting thing in our backyard at night. And it was like, it took, you know, an hour to set up and a long time to film and an hour to take down. And like that whole process was really fun. And I was tired afterwards and felt so good because I got to go out and just do something fun and make something. So that's definitely an excellent solution to problems. However, as I've talked about, Heather talked about, we've talked about together, telling people to just ignore the feedback they're getting on stuff they created is very short-sighted and very impractical. And it actually makes the problem worse because no like, non-sociopathic human can just totally ignore that stuff and not have it affect them at all. And so when people are being told, yeah, just ignore this, and then they can't or they, they don't do a good job, and then they start feeling even worse about themselves. And also, if you want to appreciate the positive stuff, the, the really nice, kind, awesome, positive things that people share, if you want to be open to those positive things, that means like you also are going to inevitably be open to the negative. And so that's something we've talked about on this show many, many times. And a very, very, very good strategy that I've come up with for that, which I would highly recommend. And something that I've talked about when people are just starting a YouTube channel or something is the importance of responding to comments. Not being afraid to, you know, hide people from the channel or delete stuff if it's terrible. But when someone spends time to support you and share something with you, making sure that you, you do respond to that, I think is very, very important. And chances are when your channel is very new, you're not getting a ton of comments anyway. Like you might even go a week without getting something. So it's usually pretty easy to keep up on. And I've always thought it's important to do that as much as possible. And I have definitely learned that as a channel grows, it becomes harder and harder to do that because the volume just increases. Like there's just more and more of them. And at a certain point, it's like, yeah, I could sit here for half the day replying to everything, or I could spend that time working on something that is the reason people are interested in the first place and kind of finding that balance. In addition to as things grow, they do tend to get pushed out to people who aren't within your inner circle. If you have a channel with 35 subscribers, chances are everybody who's there is kind of rooting for you and you're probably going to have mostly positive things unless you just get a total troll who comes in. As things grow, the way that they grow is by being exposed to people who aren't in that immediate sphere. And obviously the stuff you make is not going to be for everybody. So you're going to have people come in who then like don't like what you do and feel the need to tell you about that. This is nothing new. It's been part of YouTube since the very beginning. The problem is that you can't, you, there's no way to sort that, right? Like you're, you're going through something and you're saying positive, positive, okay, or not even necessarily positive. It's not like just please stroke my ego, but it's, you know, at least people interacting with the stuff you make. You make a tutorial about a software application, someone asks a relevant question or something like that. Cool. And then somebody says something absolutely terrible or something that kind of digs it like an insecurity that you have. And I know you should say like, oh, just forget it and ignore it. It's really hard to do that. It's really hard to do that. So what I have found that has worked really well for me lately, and it's, it's the hardest part is just being strict about this, is setting aside only a specific amount of time to interact with YouTube comments. And I think I've talked to other creators who have different ways of doing this. On a day that I release a video, I probably do spend a little more time, especially right after the video comes out, like replying to stuff. But generally, 
the rule is for me, 10 minutes a day, I, I literally set a timer, like on my watch or on my computer, you know, timer for 10 minutes and then go through and whatever I get through in 10 minutes, that's what I get through. Sometimes I totally catch up because there's not much. And sometimes I just write a bunch of quick responses. And sometimes I only do like one or two because I write really in-depth responses. You know, someone asks a question and I'm kind of curious about it. So I have to look something up and then paste a link for them or write a long explanation about something. And so the 10 minutes goes by and I only respond to one or two people and that's it. And the hard part about that the easy part is the timer goes off and you're done. So it's like, okay, whatever comment I'm working on, hit reply and then I'm done and that's it. That's nice. And then you can kind of like prepare yourself before this. So when you feel like it's not like 10 minutes at 10 o'clock or anything, it's just throughout the day if I feel like, okay, now I'm ready for that, I can take a moment and prep myself and think, okay, you're about to do this, you're going to see positive things, and you're going to see negative things. And you know you can kind of get in the right headspace. It's much better than if you just have like push notifications enabled, and then you're just like at the store, and suddenly your watch buzzes, and someone's telling you what an awful person you are as you're like buying peanut butter. That is not what the human brain is designed to deal with. So definitely recommend turning off all of that kind of stuff and being very conscious and proactive about when you're checking comments and interactions and things. The 10 minute rule has been great for me, but the hardest part has been accepting that I just won't get to everything. Sometimes, you know, like I get through today's batch and then I miss some, but tomorrow maybe there aren't going to be as many comments. And so I'll actually during the 10 minutes get to touch on some of the ones that I didn't get to today. So it's not like they're lost forever, which helps me feel a little bit less guilty, but some of them are. Some of them are I'll just, someone will say the nicest thing in the world and I will literally never read it because I'll just never see it because in order to keep my sanity, it's just part of what has to be done. And that's a strategy that works for me. I know other creators that, you know, if they release a video, their video goes out, they wait a couple of hours for, you know, for it to get views and comments. And then they spend, you know, they sit down for 30 minutes and they just sort of engage with everybody on that thing. And then they will never, ever, ever go back to it again. And that's one way. And they don't look at comments at all between times of uploading videos, which it, to me is hard to do because it's just like you log into YouTube and it's like right there. You can't, you, you can't like close the comment box in YouTube studio and just ignore it. So that is what it is. But that has been hugely helpful for me as far as YouTube comments and stuff go. Definitely recommend it. The problem that I've encountered in the past few weeks is that I can't contain feedback to the YouTube comments. And I've never really experienced this before. So here, I'll set you up with, with the situation. Um, people want a new product to do everything that they need it to do for their very specific workflow. And so if something like the Roadcaster comes out and it says, hey, this is going to be a good thing for streaming. And then a person who does streaming gets it, but it doesn't work for their very specific workflow that they've built up over like half a decade or more. Then it's complete garbage and everyone associated with it is just a shill and a terrible person and a liar and all this stuff. That's what the community <laughs> that I've been uh, fortunate enough to interact with over the past few weeks. And basically what it is, is, you know, Roadcaster Pro 2 comes out. Rode says, hey, this thing's going to be great for podcasting, streaming, and musicians. And they talk very specifically about, we're going to have lots of firmware updates to bring new features. Cool. Uh, I 
objectively it's an improvement over the original like it, it is better than the original roadcaster was the original roadcaster is also better than the original roadcaster was because when that came out four years ago it had all kinds of stuff that was missing or things that would have been cool if it could do or stuff that didn't make sense and then they updated it with the community over time and there's that's the same thing that's going to happen new thing comes out like hey we think this is really good Customer feedback, community feedback. Okay, we'll continue to adapt it over time. That's why the product is successful. That sounds very simple. (laughs) But my experience has been not just in YouTube comments, but on every social media account that I have. Comments there publicly, both and in private messages. In every email address that I have, which I have... You know, I think I have like six different email addresses, probably like everything from my personal one to the contact one for my website to like my work email to the one that's for students of my courses. Like I tried to segregate those to different inboxes, both for my sanity to keep things organized and for security. I didn't want to have everything going to one inbox. And if something happens or someone gets in there and does something weird, it just shuts everything down. So having completely separate accounts for all these different things is really, really good. And it does help me when I go to my contact email for the website, I know probably going to see a whole bunch of messages from people I've never talked to before. It's almost like next level YouTube comments, like anyone can send a message. Okay, we'll go through that. When I go through my regular work email, that's probably like ongoing correspondence with, you know, I don't know, other creators, businesses, bills, you know, software services, like that kind of stuff. When I go to the one for my courses, my podcasting courses, those are probably going to be, you know, a lot more uh, podcasting related technical questions and stuff. So I can kind of know what I'm going to get when I go into each inbox and I don't necessarily check each one every day. (laughs) Every one of those has had angry roadcaster feedback in it. Even the ones that aren't super public, literally every, every account that I log into has more of these. And that, so I can't escape it in my personal like lines of communication. If I'm just trying to log in to get like a copy of an invoice to send to our like financial tax person, then I'm also seeing negative roadcaster feedback. On top of that, <laughs> even at night when I'm just like trying to relax and hang out and I'm just browsing Reddit or something like I normally do, there are, <laughs> there's all the same feedback about like, you know, how terrible YouTube influences are. Sometimes even just my name is there. My first and last name are there saying like, oh yeah, this person lies and this person, you know, promoted this as being one thing and it's not for that and clearly being paid a whole bunch of money, which I'm sure you probably know why that kind of comment gets to me a lot. But not being able to escape it. Like I need to check email for like my job and stuff. I need to you know, be able to go into my accounts to check things and to have this insanity pouring in from every direction in an unstoppable way has been kind of a total nightmare. And it it all comes down to, oh my God, it comes down to two two versions of things. 90%, maybe even more, is people who just want a Go XLR. So here's what I'm going to tell you. If you want the features of a Go XLR, just go buy the stupid Go XLR. I'll never buy one because what I've learned is that there's a hugely number of wildly toxic people in that user base. So I will never touch that device at all. If you have one and you love it, that's great. I will never 
put a fingerprint on that thing after the experience that I've had here. Because people are just mad that they can't route everything there, not understanding that the Go XLR is a $550 USB interface. Like it's a it's a physical controller for software features. Basically, that's it. The Roadcaster is a seven Roadcaster 2 is a $700. Yes, it's a USB interface, but it's also a standalone thing. You could never connect it to a computer if you don't want to, and it can still work completely functionally. That's a huge difference. So you're you're looking at like this one super specialized thing, and then you're looking at a, another thing that has broader functions, and you're mad because it's not as specialized as that. Even though I fully think at one point it will be because that's kind of what Rode has said. And maybe they could have, if, if, if maybe they didn't know how aggressive this community would be, but maybe they could have, you know, if they said, we're going to make this streaming thing when it's released, it's going to have more options. It's going to have all these options just from the get go. But like I talked about last week, creating something from the ground up, like writing every line of code from the ground up is really, really difficult so just getting the foundations in place was very important before starting to build on top of that with all the other advanced features. And obviously from Rode's marketing perspective, it's probably pretty nice every few months to be able to say like, here's a huge streaming update. Here's a huge music production update. Here's a huge podcasting update. It is like that. that is not, I don't, I don't have any control over that, right? Just like, I don't know. Like the thing I know is that the original Rodecaster had one usb input output and the new one has three i'm not good at math but i know that three is a larger number than one so from my point of view that's pretty cool that i can have three usb inputs and outputs other people i don't know what they're doing and i guess i shouldn't judge anybody's workflow you should be able to do whatever you want to do with your equipment but other people out there apparently have a dozen separate usb things that they need going in and out all the time for whatever it is that they're working on, cool. This isn't the thing for you right now. It doesn't do that. If there's another product that you already have that does the things that you want, just stick with it. Like, why are you going out and attacking another product? And fine, be critical of it. More importantly, send feedback to Rode. Send feedback to the company that makes the thing so you can tell them this would be really important for these reasons here. Be polite about it. And they'll probably be pretty open to listening to you. Don't come to me about it because uh, I can't do anything. It's also not necessarily part of my workflow. So like I'm the number of like weirdly, wildly personal attacks I've gotten over this mostly related to USB routing of all things has just been like insane. I have to be conscious, constantly like deleting things, wiping things from all of my accounts that people are sending in that are just like horrific. The other, whatever, 5% of feedback is usually someone who has an actual bug in their firmware. You know, they're like, my roadcaster is stuck on a boot loop or, you know, something weird is happening and it's like, oh, that clearly sounds like a bug. Just reset it and it'll probably be fine. That's fine. And that's very minimal. And that's something that's just going to happen with anything, much less something new. (laughs) The, The idea that like, like, obviously, like, the thing that that I guess when I when I talked about some of this to Heather, and I don't think I'm doing a very good job necessarily explaining the full breadth of this, because when it's when the thing I just described happening from all these directions happening constantly for weeks on end is very hard to deal with and very confusing. And it's like, please don't go find the very not super public email address for my podcasting course students and then send me like roadcaster hate mail through that. 
that's like not that's not cool that's not necessary that's also incredibly creepy and weird the the other thing is what heather was saying was it really sucks because my excitement for something like the roadcaster came from a genuine place of being excited about it of trying to cobble together a workflow with existing stuff and then suddenly a tool showed up that like made everything better and easier for me and i was really excited about that and it was just a ton of fun and that's why i got excited about it and then I found out that by me telling people about that, they also found out about it and got excited about it. And I know the majority of people who have like the new roadcaster, they get it, they're happy with it. They're they're not, you know, they're not saying anything. They're just doing their stuff with it. It's a, it's a small, very vocal minority who are doing these things. Even like I don't go on Facebook hardly ever, but the times I check in to make sure like distant relatives are still alive, <laughs> uh it there's all these notifications from like user groups and things where it's again by name like here's this guy saying this he's a liar he's which like i don't there's nothing most of the stuff in my roadcaster videos is literally just taken from the user guide it's not like i'm making any crazy claims i'm also very clear that it's a thing that i like and i do have a bias towards it over other stuff And I'm also super clear that I don't even know everything. I mentioned multiple times in the videos, in the comments of the videos, all that stuff that like, oh, you know what? I could be wrong about this. I'm not entirely sure about this. You know, it's, you know, I use it for certain things or certain features that I just don't use as much. So it it has been like a weird, it's been a weird few weeks that has just taken all of the frustration that I've had in the past of, you know, getting weird, negative, cruel rude feedback from people and it's just magnified it exponentially and then it's also directed it from every outlet basically is anything that i use on the internet has some sort of negative thing coming to me about this which has been wildly unpleasant keep in mind i don't get paid for any of this stuff like road sent the roadcaster i would have bought it anyway that's cool but it's that's it it's not like well I made $30,000 for that video or anything. No, not at all. So it's just annoying. And it's also, it's been so hard to not be able to escape that. So trying to find strategies has been really helpful. And that's where stuff like the 10 minutes for YouTube comments has been really important, even though it's like whack-a-mole and then i done with that. And again, like a work email will show up with something. But there's a few other things that have been helpful too because what I've learned is that a lot of times when people want to give you negative, cruel, mean feedback, they usually don't always use nice language. And so having a good blocked words list on a YouTube channel is always a good idea and something I have really beefed up lately. So here's a bit of advice when it comes to YouTube blocked words. You can go to your YouTube studio, you can go to settings and community guidelines, and that's where you add in blocked words. There's a few things that are really important to add. If there's stuff that you know you just want to block, you know, add those words in there. Other things that are important that I have added are things like Telegram, WhatsApp, congratulations, selected, winner, which I know those are words that could show up in a very innocent comments. Like someone could say, you know, my microphone's not working even though that channel is selected. But a lot of those spam bots that say like, text me on WhatsApp, you have been selected as a winner for something. 
you know, and, th- and then they steal your profile picture and it's like impossible to ban them. If you find like the common words that they use that you would normally not use in a comment and you add those to the blocks words list in addition to WhatsApp, Telegram, all that kind of stuff, the if you can add the little numbers in a circle to your blocked words list, that helps. It won't block usernames, unfortunately, but it will block the content of comments. That's a good thing just to prevent spam. Another good thing to block out are different um, different variations of your personal information. So like your phone number in different formats, just if somebody ever wanted to, somebody ever had it and wanted to like try and dox you or something, you know, adding in your address, adding in your personal emails, like personal info that you wouldn't want to get out, that you wouldn't want to show up on something, adding that to your blocked words list, sometimes in different variations. So like a phone number sometimes has like the area code in parentheses, then the digit, then the first digits dash remaining digits. Sometimes it's just all of them. So, you you know, do different versions that you think people might type in or, you know, a number dash, number dash, number dash, like however people type stuff, do that. The other thing that I found recently is, and I'll put a link in the show notes for this episode, is a blocked words list. And this has, I think, 2,100 words on it, (laughs) 2,100 terrible, terrible words that you're going to feel very weird reading. Uh, You can find some of these lists. You can come up with them on your own, but there's only so much time you want to spend sitting at your computer, like thinking of the the grossest stuff possible. And so I'll put a link. Um, It was actually put together by Paul Duncan, who's a huge part of like the Ecamm community. He also goes by the name Mr. Moderator because he's like the most extraordinary moderator of live streams and live events and all kinds. He's a great guy who keeps things going on point and focused. And he did the the dirty work of putting together this huge words list that uh, I think it's not free because God, he needs to be paid for doing this. I think it's $10, it's $10. Absolutely worth it. You get a huge blocked words list and you just paste it in there. And then that's going to cover you for like most stuff. And the people can still leave comments with those things, but they'll be in your held for review section in YouTube studio. And then you can click there and go when you want to and approve them or trash them. The only tough part though, is everybody's sensibilities are a little bit different. So for example, a word like damn, some people might not want that on their channel at all. Whereas I don't personally care, especially knowing that a lot of the stuff that people reach out to in comments are kind of like tech support related, which usually means they're feeling frustrated when they're leaving the comment, not frustrated at me, but you know, they might say like, I've been trying to get this damn thing to work all day. Uh, you know, do you know what I could do? Blah, blah, blah. There's nothing wrong with that comment. There's no reason that should be deleted. Even if I don't reply to it, someone else might see it and be able to reply to it. So, you know, I, there's words that I went through the blocked words list and deleted. I think darn was one of them. My screen name is so darn Tom. So it's like that would get blocked. No, we'll get rid of that. Um, and things like that. So there, there are certain things that are clearly, unacceptable and other things that are kind of a gray area for everyone to decide on their own. So I definitely recommend going through the blocked words, like adding it to your YouTube studio and then going through and deleting the ones that you are okay with. The downside to that is you're going to be going through 2,100 really, really terrible (laughs) words or yeah, you know, almost 2,100 if you're okay with some of them. So it's, it's kind of important. I had to do it in like a few different sessions of like, okay, almost like going through the comments I need to like steal myself ready for this and then just go through and, you know, 
scroll. I just did it by letter. Okay, here's all the Zs. Here's all the Ys. Here's all the Ws. I start at the bottom and work my way to the top, just like I did in real life. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, and that it took me a few sessions. So I would just remember, okay, I'm on the R words. Uh, I'm going to leave now. And when I come back, I'll go back to, you know, start with the R words and continue on from there. And that, that actually hugely helps because it's, it's blocking a lot of negative stuff. And it's also really important to help keep the tone of your community strong. So even if you're okay personally with some profanity, I think it's important to think of, you know, what it is that you're making and how other people are going to feel by some of these things. If they see your channel, they want to leave a comment or say something, they scroll through the other comments and they see a lot of like kind of like rude, awful stuff. Is that going to create a welcoming environment for them? Or is that going to create kind of a hostile environment that they're not going to want to be a part of? And that that's also why I think it's kind of nice to block out some of this other just some of this other stuff. You can also create comment guidelines now, which is really cool. Uh, it's in like, I forget exactly what setting it's in, but it's somewhere in the community settings. And it's a little thing that pops up when someone goes to comment on your channel for the first time or for the first time in a while. Uh, it, it'll pop up and it'll just say like, whatever three rules you want to choose, you know, please remember these guidelines, boop, boop, boop. You can add up to three of them. And then they just click okay and leave the thing. It's obviously not going to stop anyone from being awful, but it's at least one more little roadblock where they have to very consciously go against what you're asking them to do to do something terrible. So that's a very cool thing to add. Um, another thing that has saved my sanity, and this is this is definitely your personal approach, and it's going to depend on the kind of content that you create and put out there. But over the past five years, I've just sort of become unofficial tech support for a lot of different things, especially stuff like the Roadcaster. And part of me doesn't mind that because I like talking about that stuff, you know, like I'm excited about it and it's fun to talk about. So I don't really mind. But, you know, when I go through my contact email, for example, and the first 10 messages are people asking about connections and settings and this kind of stuff, like I, that's really kind of Rhodes job. It's really not my job to to provide that support, even though I feel very guilty. And I also recognize, especially when it goes to like an email, happens in YouTube comments all the time. But by the time someone has taken the proactive approach of like seeking out an email address, typing out an email, sending it, I feel like they're really feeling like they want help. And I also feel very honored and like humbled that they would want me to help them with the thing. And so I feel very guilty if I'm unable to or if I don't respond to the message. And that's something that I've been struggling with for a while is just that guilt. And I've talked to other people about it and they, you know, they've said like, you can't feel guilty about that. I was raised Catholic. I feel guilty for being alive. Like it is what it is. Guilt is just a part of my personality, but something that has helped is to clearly, is to provide, is to, I guess, make clear boundaries. And that's what a lot of this comes down to is these clear, these clear boundaries. 10 minutes for YouTube comments, these words aren't okay, here's guidelines for participating in my channel. Something that I've I've had as a joke, jokey thing on my website for a long time is on the contact page at the bottom near the send button, it says, you know, just a reminder that I'm not tech support. Most companies have people who are far, far more intelligent and better looking than me to help with this stuff. And it's like, haha, here's a little goofy reminder that I'm not tech support. But it's it's actually become kind of an issue now is like being tech support for companies that I do not work for and sometimes really not qualified to be tech support for. 
So now at the very, very top of the contact page in bold, actually I can open it up right now because it might be something if you have a website or a contact page or something, it might be something that you want to add to. Um, it says, I am not able to reply to tech support messages. If the videos on my channel, with a nice little link to my channel, aren't able to solve your issue, I definitely recommend reaching out to the infinitely more qualified official support teams. And that way, that sets up the 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 expectation right there that if someone's going to the contact page and sending a contact email, I, I don't say like, I may not be able to reply, I say I'm not able to reply. It doesn't mean I'll never ever reply because there's also a gray area like, Tech support also blends into just like hobby enthusiasm also because, you know, like like there's, there's kind of a gray area where it's like I'm talking to someone because I'm really excited about this thing and in turn I'm offering them tech support, but it doesn't really feel like I'm playing the role of tech support because we're just talking about a thing we're really excited about. But this is really, really helped for a couple of reasons. One, shocking enough, it has dramatically cut down the number of tech support messages I've gotten. I didn't think, I kind of didn't think people would read it. <laughs> that people would just ignore the text, type their message and send it. But I think people are reading it and then understanding this is not the place to send those messages. And it's really, really cut down on that, which has been hugely helpful. And it's also made me feel less guilty. So when it does come through and I'm unable to reply, I still honestly feel a little bit guilty for like ignoring or deleting the message but I also don't because I very clearly set up a boundary. This is what this is for. This is what this is not for. Um, that if you send me a message that I clearly say this is not for that, even if it's a very polite message, even if you're a great person and we'd get along great and be best of friends, this is just not the place for that. And so I don't need to, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of back in the world of teaching where it was you know, like one of the big complaints I always see from people who reminisce on their school days and have never worked in a school is it's so crazy that like we had to have permission to go to the bathroom. You shouldn't give permission to go to the bathroom. And it's like, yeah, the thing is you're looking at that from one student's point of view. And in your case, you're right. It is really stupid that you can't just go to the bathroom when you need to go. But those rules exist because your teacher has like 200 students and they need to teach stuff and worrying about 200 people's bathroom situations is not what they really want to do, which is why you then have these clear expectations of like, you know, no restroom passes or one per quarter, whatever it might be. And I know it, it seems like on a one-to-one -one individual basis, absurd and ridiculous, and it is. But when you remember that it actually exists because the person deals with a larger number of people, then it makes a lot more sense. And it also helps provide like a, an equal type of treatment to everyone. So it, it equitable treatment maybe is the word. And this is sort of the same thing. It's like, here is my expectation, just like I used to have in the classroom. If you meet the expectation, then you get the positive result. If you don't meet the expectation, you get the negative result or, you know, you get ignored in this case, that would be the negative result. And that it kind of is what it is, and it really has helped. So that has been something that's been, that's been actually huge for me is that, um, is just being super clear about what I'm here for and what I'm not here for with people. And, and just trying to, the, the harder part, I guess, is because I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of when I go to bed at night, uh, trying to go to sleep, 
Reading a book is a great way for me to go to sleep, but sometimes I'm either not in the mood to read a book or I'm not like, I don't have a good book that I'm in the middle of or yeah, or maybe, yeah, I'm just not in the mood right now. You know, maybe I'm in the mood for a really good fiction story and I don't have one or I'm in the mood for nonfic, like whatever it might be. Sometimes I'm just not in the mood to read a book. So that's why I like to read Reddit because it's small, short posts. So I don't get like, I don't go down crazy rabbit holes and try to like get obsessed with the topic. It's sort of just like, here's a cool, here's a funny question. Here's funny answers. Here's something interesting. Okay, cool. And then that very quickly like helps me to kind of wind down and, and go to sleep. It has been very frustrating where now, because some of the subreddits I, you know, like subscribe to, there's the podcasting one, there's audio related ones, there's the road specific one. There's, there's all this kind of stuff where it's like, I'm interested in the stuff that's there, but now as I'm going to sleep, and it is dying down now because the Roadcaster Pro 2 has been out for a while. So thankfully it seems like it's going away a little bit, but that's where, you know, I'm going to sleep, everything's good. And then suddenly like you just see your name on the screen. You're like, what? Why is that there? And then it's somebody talking about, you know, what a liar you are or how terrible you are, or you, you omitted something intentionally to deceive people to try to sell more roadcasters. Like, I don't care if you buy a roadcaster or not. Like what? <laughs> sure. I guess there's affiliate stuff. If you buy a roadcaster, if you buy your 17, no 17, if you buy your $700 roadcaster through my B&H affiliate link, I don't want to brag, but I get $12. Yeah. So clearly, clearly it's very worth it for me to make a bunch of videos that take somewhere between 10 and 20 hours each to make so that I can get that sweet, sweet $12 taxable affiliate revenue. So ultimately, when I see people saying things like that, I know they're wrong. And I guess that's another thing. Oh my gosh, I forgot about this. I don't know what this is. I don't know if it, it's not, I, like gaslighting is not the right term, but it's like starting to question yourself. So the other day, this is going to be a terrible example. The other day, Heather was listening to a podcast. Her favorite podcast is called Criminal. She's obsessed with it. She loves it. I think she's wearing Criminal socks that I got her for Christmas right now. Um, and it, it's sort of like, it's a really well done podcast. It's, it's, it's like a true crime podcast, but it doesn't go into the like, isn't it cool this terrible thing that happened to somebody? It's more like, here's a very interesting story that kind of goes in a direction you didn't expect. And the most recent episode was about a guy who was like ac accused and convicted of murder uh, like 35 years ago based on teeth bite marks. And he had like an alibi. He had witnesses that he was nowhere near. He was not involved in this at all. But because like a kind of random person like quote unquote professional who could do teeth bite analysis said, nope, those are definitely his teeth. He was convicted and turns out they weren't his teeth and he didn't commit the murder because as DNA evidence emerged, they found the real murderer uh, who had ended up dying in prison for like another thing anyway. And so the first guy was released from prison after 33 years. And of course there's like zero consequence for, you know, the state or anything, the system for that. There's like, oops, like our bad, sorry. And now he's lost 33 years of his life to being in prison. But one of the things he's talking about is he's explaining how he started questioning himself. Like he knew he didn't, he did not kill anybody. Like he knew this, but going through this thing and then just sort of sitting and ruminating on it for 33 years, he said there were times where he started to doubt, like, did, did I like, 
did I take something I don't remember taking? Did someone slip me something and I blacked out? Like he actually started to wonder if like maybe he did do it because why else would he be in this situation if he didn't? It was like too hard to believe. He didn't do it though. He knew he didn't do it. But because so many things were saying he did, he started questioning whether or not he actually did. This is a much smaller scale <laughs> situation. That's that's a terrible circumstance to be in. But I know like I know the intention behind when I create something. I know if I'm making a video, I'm making it because I'm interested in it. I know I'm making it because I think it will be helpful to people or it will be fun. And then when I have people telling me that I just made the video to sell affiliate links and earn that sweet $12 or, you know, to do something, have some other purpose behind what the purpose is, I know that they don't know my intent. I know they know that I know that they don't know. I I, I know why I made the thing. But it's it's wild how you can see somebody say with such certainty that you did something for a different reason. And for whatever reason, when it is written out in text on like a post somewhere or a message somewhere, for some reason, being written gives it like a different level of feels like validity, even though it's not or it's not accurate. I mean, this is how like Fox News exists, right? It looks like a legitimate TV news thing. It's like got fancy graphics and stuff. So it doesn't really matter what they say because it looks legitimate. It's sort of like the same thing. And <laughs> the thing that's been crazy, like here's a very good example. I had someone leave me a message. I had a couple of people leaving messages about the build quality of the Rodecaster 2 saying, I really wish Rode didn't uh, like slack it on the build quality of the Rodecaster 2. The original was much better built. They're both really well built. The new one is objectively better than the original. They're both fine. Like neither one of them is going to fall apart. They both have a metal top plate and plastic sides and bottom. The original one has much thinner, lighter, plastic. The new one has much thicker, harder, more durable plastic. Like if you, if you just touch them, feel them, hold them, you can tell immediately which one is better built. And it's crazy to me because I'll say like, oh, actually, you know, the, the new one is significantly better built than the, the original one. And then I will have people tell me that I'm wrong is I'm like literally sitting here touching both of them. Like I, I'm sitting here touching both of them, holding both of them, knowing that no, the new one is is definitely better than the original in terms of build quality, although they are both good. But because someone is telling me I'm wrong, and because this type of thing happens so often or has been happening so often, I have found myself questioning myself, literally thinking, well, okay, what am I missing? Like why, okay, what about the new one isn't as well built as the old one? When no, I'm not wrong. The person who's never touched either of these things is wrong. Like they're the person who saw a picture on the internet and made some kind of wacky conclusion. Not me, the person who's used both literally as long as it's been possible to use them and is literally holding them right now. I'm not the crazy one, but they're making me feel like the crazy one. And that kind of thing really drives you crazy. <laughs> that was very eloquently spoken, especially if you are somebody who's conscious of this. Like, you know, I've talked about it. It drives me nuts when when somebody says, you know, a review is sponsored or is paid for something, like if I make a video about something, I say this video is not sponsored, I bought this thing myself. And then someone says, oh yeah, not sponsored. You definitely paid you for this. It's like, no, like I, <laughs> what? No, I like, you think I'm just straight up lying? No. 
And I know that's part of it. Like, that's just part of it, right? You know, like, if you if you take a job as a garbage man, you can't be upset that you have to deal with trash all day, right? If you take a job as a YouTuber, you can't be upset that you have to deal with garbage comments all day because that's just part of it. But the the weird, aggressive, personal thing that has been happening lately has just been absolutely absurd. And I'm going to take this one step further, actually, and I might regret this, and I apologize if I do. So, hey, on next week's Q&A episode, can't wait to hear about this. But the Go XLR specifically is something that has been driving me crazy because it seems like every person who has been like the most vicious and the most intrusive and the most inappropriate with ways of contacting me has been like a Go XLR person, somebody who confusingly seems to have one and like the Go XLR and is mad that the Rodecaster isn't the Go XLR and... I'm very confused as like, if you already have the thing that does what you want, why do you want something else? Like, I don't know. And the reason I'm hesitant to speak out on this is because I know it's kind of like the Blue Yeti. Like there are people out there who probably have a Go XLR and it does everything they need it to do and they're really, really happy with it. And the last thing I would want is for them to feel bad. If I said something like, I'll never touch a Go XLR, I'll never use that product whatsoever, any product from that company. It has nothing to even do with the product. Like, I think the product is fine. I think the functionality is actually pretty awesome and it can do really cool stuff. It's the the weirdness of how aggressive so much of the user base, or maybe it's not even so much, maybe it's a very small but very, very vocal and aggressive minority of it. But here's here's the the little bit of tea that I will spill on this podcast. A few months ago, a microphone came out called the Beacon Microphone, which I always, always misread as bacon because it's B-E-A-C-N. And for some reason, I just, my mind looks, it says it's bacon, the bacon microphone, um, which is like a USB microphone that's supposed to be incredibly high quality for streaming. And part of its superpower is the software that it runs through because it has so much like EQ and modeling and all kinds of things that you can run it through. So without needing an external thing, you have this USB mic that you can make sound really, really good. I have not used the Beacon microphone, so I can't really talk about that. But when it came out, there was quite the aggressive push, marketing push, I guess you should say. Tons of people were talking about it, making videos about it. Every video I watched about it, I personally didn't like the sound. It sounded way too like thin and compressed. And I just personally didn't like the sound on it. I was kind of surprised that a lot of channels I was watching review it really liked it. But that's how microphones work. Like you can look at any microphone review and see it's literally the same video. And people are like, this is the worst sounding thing I've ever heard. This is the best thing I'm buying it right now. And it's the same video. So it's wildly subjective, you know, the kinds of sounds that people like with their audio gear. But one of them, uh, it was on Epos Vox, his channel. He did his Beacon mic review. That was the first one I watched. I remember thinking like, this mic doesn't sound amazing. And then he did, I don't remember the whole story, so I apologize if I get some of this wrong. But he did like several follow-up videos because people were saying, you're using the microphone wrong or this, that. And he was kind of going through, he's like, I know how to use microphones. <laughs> like I'm pretty adept at this stuff and I've done it for a long time. And he was going through trying to figure out everything. And then he started getting like some negative feedback from the de- like the developers or the company or fans of the product where it kind of became like this. Every time he said something negative about it, he got almost like taken to task on social media for 
the stuff that he said about it, even though it was just sort of his his opinion and based on his experience. Like this microphone seems to be cutting out these frequencies. Like he, this microphone seems to have this issue here. The software seems to be doing something here. Um, whatever it might be, it seemed like people were getting like really aggressive towards him to the point where the last I saw him in that story, he was like, I'm done with this. Like I'm not talking about this anymore. I'm not dealing with it anymore. It's not great. So it seemed like the impression I got was that there, there were a lot of people both like within the company and like aggressive users of the product that were like attacking this person just for having a different opinion or a different experience of it than them. I think from what I understand, the Beacon mic works with Windows software. So that's one reason I've also never looked into it is because I use a Mac and so I can't use a Windows mic. Um, but <laughs> what I from what I also understand, and I could be wrong, the CEO of Beacon is also the person who started GoXLR. I think they're different companies, but it's the same person. And that, for me, kind of snapped some things into focus. If I'm, go, if I'm looking at two different products, different product categories from different companies, but that same kind of like overly aggressive, hostile thing that surrounds it, and there's one common factor, it seems like, and I, I'm not saying that like the CEO is the one who's going out and writing all the messages or anything. I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have time for that. But I do think that that they set the tone. So for example, a company like Rode, they're pretty solution-oriented. They're pretty customer-focused and solution-oriented. It doesn't mean they never make mistakes. doesn't mean there's never any problems. But they want their users to be happy they're pretty open and honest. Even when the Rodecaster Pro leaked before the launch and that was like really upsetting to Rode, Ryan from Rode like went on a podcast and just answered all the questions about it before it had been announced because it's like, why not? People know about it. We'll just do that here. Like they're very open to, to feedback. When people submit, hey, I'm having a problem. When all the negative stuff that comes to me that shouldn't, when that goes to Rode, they handle it well and they approach it well. And I think that builds a culture both within the company and within the user base that kind of has that same attitude. So I do think that while there are probably most users of a product have no idea what the company culture is or who the CEO is or anything, I think a lot of the hardcore fans do kind of find themselves aligning in, in some way with the things that they purchase. Like that is a reason why I would pick the Roadcaster over something else is, is a, lot, a lot of it because of the company and the people behind it. So if if you're aligning yourself with a company and people behind it who tend to be very aggressive in like how they handle criticism or negative feedback, then it sort of makes sense that you would be the kind of person who's going to then be very aggressive giving negative feedback. And I know I'm getting very much in the weeds here, but it was it was just really interesting to me that the experience I had from this one product there, there's two different products, two different things. Everything is different, but the one similarity is like some of the executives behind the product creating a culture where apparently that's just what you do is just act aggressive towards other things. I don't know. I could be, again, I'm just speaking from my experience. I don't want to, yeah, I'm speaking out of turn or anything, but it was very interesting and uh, it's why I will never use a Go XLR product. So you'll never see that on my channel. And I was really close to just like, you know, it's kind of expensive, definitely think it's overpriced, but I was very close to just buying one so I could see for myself and form my opinion 
myself because it seems like functionality wise pretty awesome. But yeah, no, that won't happen. <laughs> that won't happen ever. And then the other thing, this was all happening. So these, this is clearly the most important thing, right? My roadcaster drama. There was nothing else happening culturally that could have upset people over the past few weeks, especially in the United States, right? Nothing at all. Uh, so the internet also became a much louder and angrier place in the past few weeks, especially in the United States because of political reasons and Supreme Court decisions and stuff. And this is probably not the place to dive into that too much, but also it's not not the place to dive into it because <laughs> my stance on all the road stuff. So this was, you know, this was my little world, my 30 something white guy world of like my podcasting thing is getting negative feedback. Uh, that's clearly the most important thing, but it was taking a toll on me. And then these Supreme Court decisions passed down that just seemed to be geared towards like dismantling our country and reverting back to like not good times. And the internet obviously became a much louder and a much angrier place. And so my stance had been to just be quiet about everything. Like, like the stuff I talked about in this episode was definitely not planning to make an episode about it. This was like something I'll just kind of like work through, deal with. I don't need to talk about this. I don't need to bring it up. But I decided that I wanted to. And then when it came to political stuff, it was like, I'm just going to be staying off of the internet as much as I can because I can't do anything. Like there's nothing I can do that's going to affect change. And I definitely don't like, and seeing people angry and upset and hurting each other, it like, it just takes a toll like on my soul. I'd rather just go make a video about lights, you know? But one thing that I have been very vocal of and in the past is, uh, you know, the lack of diversity among creators working with companies, specifically the company I've called out many times. This is the Tom Calls Out Companies podcast now, is DJI, who make great products. Like, whatever product category DJI makes something is, it's pretty much the best. Like, I would you want to buy another drone? <laughs> it's like, like it's going to work terribly and not be reliable. No, DJI makes the best ones. Everything they make is great. Um, but I like will not be buying any DJI products uh, until they fix this problem they have, which is just completely ignoring female creators. And it could also include like people of color, although there are some like non-white dudes in their stuff, like a couple it's it could definitely be more but there's basically never any never any female creators i've talked about that before and you know i've also talked to female creator friends some with very large channels bigger than mine who are like yeah they will not talk to me they will not work with me or dji will say something like well you know we they will finally talk to someone with dji and the company will say that they you know they need to take channel size and audience size into account before they can work with someone. It's like, yeah, but you gave this white dude with like eight thousand subscribers a brand new product, but you're not going to give the girl with four hundred thousand, who's in the same niche. Like, I know there's not a ton of, there's not a, there just aren't as many female creators in like the photo video niche as there are male creators. Like, totally get that. So from a company's point of view, you're like, I'm trying to find people, but. The number of people who are in this niche, who are interested in our product, who would be good to work with, who are reliable, like that's already very, you've limited it a lot. Like your search results are going to be small. And then to then 
go further by like gender or something, it's like, well, we're not going to be able to work with anyone. But also they're totally slacking it and dropping the ball entirely on that. So I've been very vocal about that. Um, because of that, I've had several different female creators, some that I've known and followed and some that I met because of these things. Every once in a while, I'll just post something when like a new product comes out that kind of calls a company out on something like that. I don't like being like, Twitter is the 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 realm of hot takes that no one asked for. And I like to just post a goofy thing or talk about a video I made or something. But every once in a while, it just feels weird not to say something about that. And then these Supreme Court decisions happened. The internet blew up, rightfully so. And I just kind of wanted to stay away from everything. I was already not in a good place mentally, and this definitely was not going to help. But then I had, you know, there were other female creators who I knew and would consider myself friends with who were saying, like, it's very interesting, all of my male creator, the number of male creator friends I have who are suddenly very silent. And that really kind of stung. Because I know that it's like, I'll show up and, hey, look, here's a new video. Isn't this cool? Here's a silly joke and a clip from The Simpsons or something. Oh, but this crazy thing where like women aren't in charge of their bodies anymore. No, no, no opinions on that at all whatsoever. Let's just talk about a microphone. That felt weird. But I also know like I can't, I can't do anything. <laughs> like I'm not in, in a position of power. I've also freaking tried and I'm tired. Like I spent a decade working with high school students trying to help them be positive in their world and understand that they can make a positive impact. I've tried doing that in my own life. I've tried being involved like civically in our town and in community and stuff. Like I really, really have. And I just don't feel like I can do very much when someone on the other side of the country in a building that I'll never go into can just like make a decision that suddenly affects everybody. But I can't counteract that. So it's kind of like, I don't know what my coping mechanism is, but I did have, um, I did have a female creator friend who I really admire and respect kind of just ask like if I wanted their opinion on this. And I was like, please, I really want your opinion. And this was very interesting. And it's why I'm sharing this right now at the end of this episode is she just went on to say that it's not about like social media being the thing that's going to decide everything, but it is a way that people communicate and interact and see each other. And a lot of us, you know, there's people you can be friends with that you may never have met in person. And social media is a way that you kind of help keep up your relationship and, and, connect with each other. And when something really terrible is happening to someone or they're feeling really terrible about something and no one is checking in on them or no one is even just standing up and saying, you know, like, please don't do this to this person. It can make them feel really bad and really lonely. And it's not that you have to do anything. It's not like you have to go run for Congress and pass a bill or something but just knowing that like you're saying this is not okay publicly where other people might see that and have an opinion about that that could potentially be negative but you're just saying like hey like i'm on this person's side and i want people to be treated well is really important and she kind of more eloquently said that to me and one of the things she said was uh, it's like an old quote that something along the lines of uh People who, nobody listens to people who are oppressed. People listen to those who are not being oppressed. So if you're a part of a group that is being oppressed, of course you're going to say, 
don't oppress us. Uh, but the people who are in the oppressing position, why would they listen? They're the ones doing it. It's when people who aren't in that position say something and speak up that then potentially other people could listen because those people are speaking up from a situation where maybe they do have something to lose or nothing to gain, at least. Just not being quiet really helps. And the thing that really stood out to me was at the end um, of like these voice messages, she said, I don't think I've said anything revolutionary, but you know, this is this is how I'm feeling. And that really clicked to me because the whole time I was listening to the messages, I was thinking, gosh, this is so, like she was eloquently putting it in how it felt from her perspective as a female. And I guess it seems so obvious. And even as someone who tries to be empathetic and understanding, I feel like it should have been obvious, but she just said it in a way that made it so much more clear about like, it's not that you need to go fix the problem. You, we just want to see people that we've thought are our friends just standing up against something that is terrible. And I guess what I thought was it's not revolutionary to you because you've had these thoughts and lived this experience every day. So it seems very normal. But to me, who hasn't been in that position every day, it actually kind of was revolutionary in, in a way and showed things in a light that I hadn't seen them before, which made me feel like I should at least say something. I should at the very least just say that I'm not okay with this. And I can do that in my own clumsy you know, way the best that I can. And it's not that that's going to change anything, but at least I'm not being quiet. And maybe me doing something clumsy will make somebody else feel okay saying how they feel in their own way. And then somebody else will say something and somebody else, and you know, like you kind of need, it's, it's that same thing going back to like school situations. How many times in a classroom is it like, okay, something is done. Are there any questions? No hands go up. Finally, as soon as somebody raised their hand and asked a question, then there's a flood of more questions. Like you kind of always need that first one or two people to, to, to break the ice and then let everyone else feel comfortable doing that. And, <laughs> uh, and so I thought that was an important thing. And I bring that up because it would have been very easy considering the last few weeks of what the online world has been like for me to not do any of that and go away and definitely not engage with a highly polarizing political issue, but also it, it didn't feel right. And I don't know, the fact that you might have some kind of platform where some people might listen to what you're saying, I don't know, it's, it's important to not be quiet about things that are really important, like other people not having basic fundamental human rights even if that is going to make things worse for you. Because, yeah, uh, if I thought people had opinions about podcasting, yikes. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know. I guess that's, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know why I brought that up other than that it was, it was sort of a thing that happened as I felt I had a handle on, okay, I know how to handle all this feedback. I'm feeling like I'm having some strategies to work with here, but now I'm just going to pour a bunch of gasoline on this fire but I think that was something that had to be done and that that is important. And I guess I'm just sharing that and maybe you could take away what you will with it. But I would definitely encourage, I would encourage any guys who are listening, especially if you have some kind of audience or some kind of platform and you feel like you don't know what to say about things because you just don't know what to say. So you don't want to say anything because you don't want to make it worse or you don't want to cause any problems 
being silent in situations can be worse than saying something, believe it or not. And you don't have to change the world, but just a simple, a simple moment of letting people know that you're there for them, that you believe in them, that you are on their side when they need people on their side can go a very long way, especially if you're not part of the group that is in that like downward position um, at the moment. That's the most eloquent way I can put that. So that kind of brings us to the end here. I wanted to share, I feel like it was as a hodgepodge situation, but that's okay. I wanted to share sort of my experience here, not just to vent because I don't need the podcast to do that, but because I do think there were some practical takeaways, things like 10 minutes on YouTube comments, even stuff like setting up separate email addresses for specific outlets, excuse me, is really, really helpful. And also things like the blocked words list, which I'll put a link to in the show notes, all that kind of stuff. I do think there are some practical things, regardless of where you're at, if this is something you are dealing with or something you haven't dealt with yet, because what you're making is still new and relatively small, being aware of these kind of things can definitely help you as time goes on in the future. And then in addition to just being aware of, you know, one thing that definitely did, the things that I learned from like the YouTube brand side of things was really had to do with, yeah, okay, that thing we've talked about, that influencer thing, as terrible as that word is, it does relate to the idea of having influence. And, you know, I tried to be aware that my excitement over something like the Rodecaster Pro 2 and saying, I'm so excited to use this for streaming, somebody else could hear that as like, oh my gosh, this is an all-in-one streaming thing. It's perfect. It's like, I don't need anything else like that. And then they're going to jump in and feel disappointed because like my excitement pulled them in the, the wrong direction. It's not necessarily my problem, but probably something that's important to be aware of, of just how that stuff happens. Uh, it's also, it definitely taught me like not to do um, product releases anymore. It just, it was just not, it wasn't fun. <laughs> like there, there was, it was really fun. The process was really fun. The experience of working with the company was really fun. The public facing side of things, absolute nightmare. Um, and really wouldn't want to, to do that again. So, uh, unfortunately, and it also did teach me like, part of me did feel like if all these people are, if I'm doing something that so many people think I am being paid for, for this company, like maybe I should be getting paid for this. Like, you know, maybe I'd feel a little bit better if someone wanted to say like, yeah, you're, you're just, you made this video to get a bunch of money, but I'm like, yeah, I got 10 grand to make this video. Sure. <laughs> like, I don't mean that in a sleazy selling out my values way, but it's like, if I'm going to make the video anyway, and why not then basically I've learned that I'm going to be a little bit more aggressive about reaching out in appropriate ways uh, and for things that make sense and are organic fits instead of waiting for opportunities to come to me, I will be more aggressive about pitching those opportunities because in the end, it just kind of hurts me not to, and there's no reason to do that. So that was another lesson that I learned. But if you have thoughts, of course, like I mentioned before, you can send them text video voice to Tom and enthusiasmproject.com, or you can go to hi, my name is Tom.com. And right there on the homepage, you can leave a message. Very, very easy, super, super quick. And next week will be a Q&A episode. So if you want to submit something for that, go ahead or keep an eye out 
on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, I'll be posting a call for questions. The questions on Instagram are usually through stories because it has the thing where you can like submit answers to questions. <laughs> and then Twitter is usually just a Twitter post. Sometimes I do YouTube uh, community stuff too. It just sort of depends on the mood of the day. But otherwise, I very much appreciate you for listening. I hope you have a safe, happy, healthy, fun rest of your day, and I will see you next time.